0: Hi, this is Steve Poor, and you're listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Our guest today is Jimmy Vesperk, founder of Legal Geek. Legal Geek is an organization that hosts events around the world for the Legal Tech community. Jimmy started his career in business, owning and operating a number of online dating sites. One wonders how he made the transition from online dating sites to legal tech, it's because he ran into different legal issues in those ventures, and his experiences ultimately inspired him to find solutions to these problems. Drawing on his business knowledge, he co-founded the legal startup Flex Legal, where he discovered his passion for events. Jimmy would go on to start Legal Geek, with the goal of making legal tech events more fun and engaging, encouraging attendees to trust comfortably, learn from one another, and make friends rather than sell. Since launching in 2015, Legal Geek has reached a total of more than 50,000 attendees from over 150 countries. Legal Geek also organized the world's first legal tech startup conference in 2016 and will host the brand new Legal Growth Geek conference focused on legal tech adoption. In April, the Ministry of Justice in the UK awarded 3 million pounds to Legal Geek and its partner Codebase to accelerate the growth of legal tech through the program LawTech UK. In today's conversation, Jimmy tells us about making the leap to the legal industry, hosting events during the pandemic, how Legal Geek has evolved since its first event in San Francisco, and the topics he's excited to hear about at the upcoming Legal Geek North America Conference hosted in Chicago. It was an interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Thanks for joining. You see what I mean about the five, four, three, two, one countdown. You feel like you want to push the rocket ship button.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're ready to take off now, so I'm interested uh, in chat. Thanks so much for having me on. I put my branded T-shirt on. I just changed into. It.
0: There you go, Legal Geek T-shirt. There you go. It's it's, it's some good swag you've got there. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, thanks for joining us. I I I know it's late in the afternoon over there in the UK, so I hopefully you've had a decent day. Let's talk a little bit about some of your professional history first before we'll get into Legal Geek and the conferences you've got coming up and what participants can expect and all that kind of stuff. And I'd like to hear about the, you uh, say you can talk about the grant you got from the Ministry of Justice, which sounds really, really cool. Yeah, But you didn't start in legal tech. You started by founding a number of dating sites right out of college. What was it that drew you to that space? So... Yeah, great. Um I love that you've done your research with a little chat before,
1: so nothing to hide here. I uh yeah, I, I always feel like I've just started in legal, but it's actually been like over eight years. But before that, for a similar amount of time actually, about eight, ten years, I did run um run some dating sites and what that business was, was, um, I was pre-dating apps that came along. So it's like desktop solutions. Um, and I became quite good at online marketing, if you like, but also really just putting people together. So you're absolutely right. I just left university or college. Uh, we call it university here and, um, and was sort of moved back to the countryside where I was from, just found it hard to meet new people. So you started looking at uh, dating and saw some opportunities there and ended up like going down that rabbit hole and, you know, that was a good, like had a really nice cut my teeth and, you know, you can, it's amazing what you can do just from your bedroom at home. You know, you can build up a business or a online access, use freelancers, just like get into that kind of vibe. Then that business kind of, um, free dating apps came along and it became quite competitive and it was quite hard to do the solution I had, which was like a desktop 30 pounds a month type model. And during that kind of process, I started to deal with some legal issues that come up with that business and, I got exposed to the kind of the stresses as a business owner and also going through the process of buying a house and things like that the first time you deal with a lawyer or attorney stressful isn't it it's stressful finding the person to start off with uh, and then not knowing the price necessarily and it being a really expensive cost and it's using terminology that's completely new to you and I'm now in that kind of bubble of the legal profession but for a lot of people who's not and that first time, that jumping off point might be buying the house, writing a well or whatever it is. So I was really found that really stressful. So I was just trying to solve a new problem with a business. And that's kind of how I got into the legal space. Those two worlds
0: bridged. That's interesting. We'll talk about Flex Legal here in a second. But your experiences in the dating sites as a, as a tech entrepreneur, you now deal with startups and entrepreneurs all the time in Legal Geek. You live in that world. What, what lessons did you learn? From your time as a, as a startup entrepreneur, that you share with people trying to go down the same same path, albeit in legal tech.
1: Yeah, I think I think um, oh, it's hard hard to say. I mean, it, it's um, I've always just been able to sort of do okay by just doing stuff and solving real life problems. And I think a lot of the legal startups I see are are maybe associates that are doing the same thing. So they're like at a certain level, frustrated, and they want to solve a problem that they experienced. And they have maybe a friend who's a CTO and they come together and they start a legal startup. So it's all really born out people solving real life problems. But I think what's useful is just take a step back and look at and make sure the market size is big enough for what you're trying to solve or whatever. But I've been very lucky in both things I've ended up in the last sort of 15, 20 years have been at the right time when there's been a good good wave of change. So with dating becoming like socially acceptable, it seems very normal now for me to meet online. When I started, it wasn't. And the same thing has happened. Well, obviously they're very different, but in law, the adoption of technology has really increased and certainly the discussion around it and what we've been able to do is help create some structure around that. Say so that law firms and in-house counsellors can, can access those startups and sort of sit between them and facilitate that. But always much easier to be in a rising market and, and being agile. I think for us, we had COVID and moved to our events online. And that was a real challenging time for, for many businesses and, and, and anyone in the event business. But um, actually, I'm very proud of how we came through that and how we adapted and became, we started running events for lawyers online as well. So we became like, Good enough that people were asking us to run their events for them. We sort of started a bit of a side, side hustle gig on that. So it's like, it's funny, um, funny the journey we've been on in the last eight years, even though I feel like it's only two, but I'm really lucky. I love the legal tech space and community around it. Came in with literally knowing no one. I actually started in San Francisco. The first legal geek meetup was San Francisco. That wasn't called legal geek for about a year after that, but we started as um, a kind of meetup group, just people i met there through Twitter and stuff. And that it's was in cool. a
0: basement of I I think I
1: read somewhere. Yeah, it's this place called I stayed there. It's called it doesn't exist anymore, sadly, but it was called Startup Warehouse. And you kind of stayed in bunk beds upstairs. It was co-working downstairs and there was like a, they cliched it up, you know, it was like a garage meeting room. But that's where we did the first event. And it was great. I mean it's like kind of all those things just and I met some of those people who came to that first meetup I'm still in touch with on LinkedIn and they come to events and spoken at events. And it's just funny how you that was so long ago that they really just really passionate about it. And especially at that time, people who were really coming, giving up their evenings, coming to events to discuss like AI and the future of tech. It was just like passion and interest and hobbies that, that was drawing people together at
0: that time. You started Legal Geek in 2015, about eight years ago. What was the genesis? I know, I know it started with 30 people and pizza in the startup warehouse, but at the time you were running Flex Legal,
1: yeah, so just the the type, we've done eight Legal Geek conferences is how I always remember it. So we started probably about nine years ago now, because we were going for a year or two before that, just as meetups. The reason I started Legal Geek, or the meetup group, was because I wanted to start a legal startup, actually. So I met somebody called Mary, and we started a business called Flex Legal. Flex Legal, I, I'm not involved in, I was only involved for a short period at the start. But it gave me really good access to. It was a couple of years alongside legal gig, but it gave me really good access to like doing a legal startup. For me, the event side was what the the, the business I um, was really passionate about and had good success with. So I doubled down on the on the event side. Flex is still going and it's a fantastic business for sourcing paralegals. Although I'm not involved and I can't can't speak to it up to date, but um, maybe we can put a link into that.
0: Was there a different experience in a, in a legal startup versus the sort of social startup, that you, the online dating startup you had before? What, what similarities and differences were there in the experience?
1: When I started looking at legal, I was really interested. I mentioned like conveyancing, will writing. I kind of came in with that experience as a small business straight consumer. And that was the kind of solutions I was trying to solve. So when I came in, that was like, I guess it's like your rocket lawyers, your legal zooms. They're the kind of products I was looking at at the time. Those kind of marketplace downloadable docs, like solving problems I'd experienced. I didn't really understand the legal market at that time, like the structure of the law firms, large or in-house. But that's where I ended up drifting because that's where the, that's where the money was being invested in technology, legal tech at that time and still is sort of consistently. So legal geek kind of, I got drawn into are in the UK like magic circle, large law, large corporate council, through to like fintechy in-house teams that's smaller through to big ones. Because that's just the market I was sat in, in London, although we did I've done events all around the world with Legal Geek, but they've been the predominant well the largest one we do is in London, which is two and a half thousand people. So yeah, I kind of drifted from consumer into like B2B and large law really, although we're just starting to do some events for SME law firms. So more like high street firms, uh, but that's like new this year. So we're doing that with the Law Society in England. So so that's very England focused.
0: Legal has had some tremendous growth over the last eight or nine years from 30 people to 2,500 people at your last one, putting aside the pandemic, which I want to come back to. Has the growth of it surprised you? And and what do you attribute that success to? Obviously the genius who's leading the organization, I, I, I get that. But apart from that...
1: We had no... I'd never run an event before I ran. It started League Geek. But I'd been to quite a few conferences and events and marketing and stuff like that. With League Geek, we just tried to do something that was fun and engaging. So we created an ethos. And our ethos is, is there's a no-tie policy. You come, you high-five. We focus on equality, having a good gender mix of speakers and diverse uh, diversity. So we run a, men, a pro bono mentorship program. We tried to just... Rather than talk about problems, solve problems. That's what I'm more interested in just doing things than talking about them. And that grew from like a grassroots group of those 30 people you mentioned. And we started doing stuff, started doing hackathons, did some like quite big ones with like online courts hackathon with Richard Susskind and people flew from Australia to London to compete in it for the Ministry of Justice here and all that kind of crazy stuff looking back. Uh, but yeah, I am, I am surprised by the growth, but it has been like a really. It's hit a time where the market is growing and we needed like law tech. It started like as a startup focus. So law tech's coming together and bringing their clients and stuff. Now we're really shifted to very in-house focus. So if we get in-house lawyers, we also tend to get the law firms. And if we get the in-house lawyers and the law firm lawyers, we get the any technologists because we hit both buckets. And that's kind of been an interesting shift for us. We've actually done very little in the space I initially started in, although, although we might come back to that a little bit.
0: So you talked a little bit about the pandemic, which had to be a challenging time for anybody in the event space. Even though there was a lot of movement in the technology space and in, in the legal industry, you couldn't get people together. How did you sort of, obviously you went virtual, but how did you, how did you maintain, you, you, you talked about building this culture for what distinguishes your conferences. That must have been difficult to translate that into a virtual environment.
1: It's difficult, but it was, you know, I think possible. We did things like I luckily I've done online dating, right? As a business for 10 years and matching people at events is difficult virtually, but I actually had loads of experience of that. So we've done a lot of speed networking at our in-person events. So we translated that to speed networking. Like we're next to each other now. We had some software that matched you up every three minutes to a new person. So it wouldn't work now. But at that moment in time, and it's hard to think back even a couple of years to that where we were all stuck at home and particularly talking about the UK, where I was, um, and it was different in different places. But you could easily make those connections and actually our, because of the personal situation so many people were at home, our rates were really high. So we had our 2,500 person in-person conference was 7,000 when we did it online. We did it over two days. Wow. But we did stuff like... We're able to film some stuff. So we filmed, we've got, um, I've got a, a vintage VW camper van as my old bosses that we've driven around Europe and filmed people in. So we brought that back and we did like a global tour and we filmed the intros in the camper van just to bring it, to tie it all together. So we provided some pre-recorded content that you can access at the event and some live content. So you could jump between the two and some networking. And actually we've got our own event platform and stuff. And it was really fun. Looking back, it was fun to look back knowing that it came back. At the time, it was very stressful because you didn't know where it was going to go. or well, you know, you're getting away with it almost. And you're just worried that people would tire of it, which they did. But luckily, we could get back. How was it for you, that period?
0: You know, I think it was difficult if you look back on it. And I think we're still seeing some of the fallout from that period now in terms of stress and burnout. And there's all sorts of issues around. Do you want to be back in the office? People don't want to be back in the office. They've adjusted their lifestyle. Yet there's an advantage to being back in person. You must experience it when you got your live conferences back. It must have been a, almost elation to get back and have that human connection.
1: Yeah, I think um, we did this quite funny thing. So we use lanyards, you know, around your neck when you have, and you have your name on it, like, like most conferences. And at the, at the first one back, we did hybrid, so we were doing a bit of both. And we did traffic lights. So you had red if you didn't want, you wanted people to respect your distance, uh, like orange. If you wanted, you were like kind of okay, maybe like hand shape or wash your hand and then green. If you were like really relaxed trying to predict the numbers of people attending was hard, but trying to predict the number of people having a specific lanyard was really difficult. I thought everyone would go in the middle, like at that time, but everyone went for green and we had to like ship more green in. Really? Yeah. Uh, so it was either green or red but it was the majority were green. I don't know if it's like a social pressure thing, kind of like if no one wears a mask, no one would wear a mask. But if everyone's wearing a mask, everyone would wear a mask. You know? and I don't know if it was like some sort of social scientists have got some good data on it. But um, yeah, it was. Um, I was really surprised at that. So yeah, it was great to have everyone back. And We did an event in America last year and an event, uh, so we did an event in, in New York, Chicago and Toronto and we did our London big conference. And it was interesting to see just the difference. Last year in America, it was a bit, we had a lot more people like asking us about COVID policies and stuff like that. Whereas London, it felt like people were a bit more back. So maybe it was like six months ahead at that time, but it was the start of the summer in America. So I think it was coming out. So I, I don't know. It's was, it was interesting to see around the world, like the rules changing and stuff and how that had probably a six, 12 month effect on events. But I was at the, I was at legal week and, uh, I think they were like saying it's their big, like, you know, back to normal level of numbers.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's just interesting to watch people readapt to coming out of the shell over the last year, maybe.
1: I think the events world is quite good in that there's a lot of business development community catch up. The challenge is getting people into the office day to day when it's you don't get those kind of uplifts. I'd rather go to an event and see a lot of people get that hit of whatever I need and for my work and then go back rather than go to the office and then half the people not be there that you want to see. And then you end up doing calls and you can't get a meeting room and stuff. And just the office layout. And I actually find that all really interesting how that's changing and converting meeting rooms into phone booths and all those things.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting how that plays out over the next, uh, next couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. And lots of like, you know, when
1: leases come up in offices and expensive real estate, how you adapt, uh, it, It's something I often discuss with people on calls because I'm always interested when you see somebody in the office or if they're at home. We've just got an office, actually, for the first time since 2019. So we're back together. We're only a small team there. There's nine of us, so it's not like major.
0: That's cool. We've got Legal Geek coming up in Chicago here, June 29. Yeah. What can participants expect? There's obviously all the buzz. I presume generative AI will be on the table. It seems to be on everybody's minds these days.
1: Yeah, we're trying to... We always try and be quite practical with the content. So we cover like interesting topical stuff. So obviously stuff that's around (laughs) the moment. But yeah, so typically we'll do all of our style as short, sharp talks at all our events. So max 10 minutes. So in an hour, you'll have five talks basically. And they're all designed to be, you know, there's no podium, people walking around, talking, minimal, in more image slides. We really coach people on that. So more like TED Talk style. So we have a few formats. We have talks. If we do product pitches, people, so people come to our events. We have an ethos like not to sell, but to make friends. But any content that's selling is labeled as selling. So like a product pitch is actually really interesting. But what we do is them as five minutes is to talk about the product. And so in an hour, you can see a ton of businesses and it saves you having so many coffees. So afterwards, you can go and speak to the three that are relevant rather than getting stuck down a rabbit hole for half an hour with somebody who you realize quite quickly.
0: That is irritating that. when that happens,
1: yes. is online. So that's a great thing about an event. You can come together, you have five. You only need to know that like elevator pitch. And then you, you can pursue that a leisure afterwards. And then the other format we do is more like interview, ask the expert. So the crowd can ask and engage. And then we're big on the networking. So we're gonna do um an architecture tour stroke evening boat tour the night before the event and which we're just just confirming. And then we're gonna do uh less like drinks in the evening and a band and stuff. So we've got a really cool venue that's really important to our ethos. We love being in Chicago last June. We kind of were scoping locations last year and it was like the culture and community and just from an event organizer perspective was really really aligned to us so we're hoping to make it our forever home but we'll see how it goes Uh, i've got about 300 people signed up so far we're aiming for 500 so we've got a little bit of time yet a couple of months to go
0: what's going on in the world of legal tech that gets you the most excited obviously as i said there's all sorts of generative ai stuff that's not the only stuff going on so what are you seeing out there that's that you think is the cool stuff so we're really interested in the culture change that I think is now accelerated.
1: So this stuff that's in the media, you know, around a A&R now is really helpful to focus people's mind on, the, on seeing the future. And I think that's been quite difficult maybe in the past. I should say Legal Geek as an organization, we don't pitch ourselves as experts. So we get a bit of visibility of the market overview, but we really focus on putting experts on the stage. So we're facilitators. So I can give you like a little bit of what we see, but really... There are lots of people in the market that will talk as experts, but aren't necessarily, and we don't want to be that at all. So we're like very passive in that, on giving a view on stuff. But we we know experts, and what we're really good at is putting them on stage to give you uh, really good answers to those questions.
0: What are you looking forward to hearing from the experts? What do you think is going to be really cool? What should people be thinking about as they go to the conference? That I really ought to be listening for these.
1: Yeah, there's some interesting stuff that we're doing. There's a talk that's on um, diversity and inclusion and culture change. Google, uh, one of the patent attorneys there, is talking about getting assessing value and ROI from a legal function. So is, on our website, there's a, a sneak peek of the agenda. I think what we're trying to focus it on is giving you practical skills and case study examples of people who've done things rather than talking too far in the future. That's what we've always been about, which is like, this stuff's happening. It's here now. It's real. Here's some people you can meet who can help you implement it. What I really like to see at an event is those bringing those worlds together and actually people kind of doing business rather than like kind of scaremongering too far away. Peace. That helps.
0: So let me change topic just a little bit. Uh, I saw on your website that you've been together with Codebase. You got a grant from the Ministry of Justice, quote, to accelerate the growth of law tech across the UK, close quote. I know you're going to put more details up later, but as a, but as a general proposition, what's the, flesh out that objective a little bit. I mean, I take it for what it says, but what does that mean? So the
1: UK government, Ministry of Justice, have been funding a program called Law Tech UK for the last couple of years. I think it's two and a half years. At the end of that funding, we pitched to take that on. So it's a program that's been in existence, although the objectives have been refreshed and you've given like the headline objective there. What is really amazing to see is that the UK government are investing money and it's like three million pounds, so what, three and a half million, four million million, $4 million. In this program over two years, which we're co-running with Codebase. Codebase are Scottish based, but they're the biggest accelerator program in the UK and we're the biggest legal tech community. So we come together with a program of activity to help accelerate that adoption. Our priority with the government stuff is like Legal Geek does a really good job with our community of servicing the large law and in-house community where law tech adoption has not, you know, could do with support and Government can help is around the regions of the UK and getting it into the high street mid market, and also focusing on the unmet demand. So the people who are not accessing legal services. So that'll be a key priority for us with the grant funding is focusing on the across the UK and the growing sector. So yeah, we are we only won it the first of April with the twenty fifth of April now. So we're going through a bit of a recruitment phase, just um, going through the panel meetings and stuff like that. There's a bit of um, a process to go through with it. Uh, but we'll be running a series of events around the UK. We've got a kickoff event soon in Edinburgh and, uh, so to track startups, do some, some reports, some accelerator programs that Codebase are going to run for startups and, and, and anyone listening or again or watching who's interested in like the UK market, whether that's to come to the UK market from abroad or, um, to understand what technology is there that you'd like to use in your local market or through in the UK to, to engage with it, that we will have a good mapping and database exercise. And you can hopefully access that market easier and we can support you with that through LawTech UK. So there's Legal Geek, which we run conferences and there's LawTech UK that we kind of run, but it will continue to run under the brand banner LawTech UK. Yeah.
0: The emphasis not just on mid-sized firms, but on the 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 gap to refer to has to be a little bit of full circle for you because you described part of what sort of brought you into tech to begin with was your own frustration as a business owner, individual, difficulty navigating the legal landscape. So it's got to feel good to be brought in to help be part of the solution set for that.
1: And I think it's a really nice time for us to be in that just to bring it back to kind of the COVID piece, which is, you know, this a lot of firms have had one of the positive things is that technology has been like this change management has been kind of forced on you. You had to onboard virtually your new clients, uh, etc. for that period and and the team had staff had to work remotely. They probably, you know, that that meant that we had to move to the cloud and stuff like that. So some of those barriers that were maybe psychological were broken and that has opened a bit of the floodgates for that. Another big part of the grant is the UK jurisdictional work. So promoting UK J T work. <laughs> so the UK jurisdiction abroad, but would we publishing a lot more details with a website refresh in the next um, sort of month or so.
0: You run uh, you run conferences and have run conferences all over the world, big conferences in the UK, you run the conference in Chicago, and you've run them in other parts of the world. From your attendee standpoint, are there differences in jurisdictions that you have to take into account as you're planning a conference or is the sort of desire for information consistent across the various Jurisdictions you you encounter?
1: We've, um, we've done events all over the place and we did a global tour with Dentons and with events in Sydney, Melbourne, San Francisco, Singapore, et cetera. And it's the same type of people. That's the thing I'm always really interested in with a common goal, and that's to have Legal Geek's mission is to have a positive impact on the legal profession. And we want to do that through the adoption of legal technology. So the client gets their services quicker, better, you know, smarter and that there are groups of people all around the world, and there's we kind of always try and collaborate with local communities. And there's like the legal hackers; that are everywhere. There's lots of groups, and they all all have a kind of common ethos of gold. and goal. I love just being able to tap into that and meet people who are really passionate. I love meeting legal tech founders and their teams who are just really passionate about bringing that change. And everyone is kind of doing it the same. I think they have similar motives, and I think there are people competing, but everyone is quite um, it's quite a collaborative, open space. Although it's kind of like historically maybe been quite siloed. So I think maybe legal tech is a bit of a release in that legal innovation world from the kind of actual sort of law firm piece. I don't know. Do you think that's fair from what you've seen?
0: Uh, I do think it's fair. I think that there are, in terms of adoption, I think there are some jurisdictions that are more advanced than other jurisdictions. I think the UK is, is frankly a little more advanced than the US. But I think from an individual standpoint, I'm not surprised to hear you say that attendees share a common desire and a common goal. I've seen that consistently, whether I've talked to people in Asia or Europe or the or, or the Americas. They're trying to achieve similar results.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the questions you asked earlier was around, we're surprised by the growth. I think, not so really surprised by the growth, but I'm surprised by the receptiveness to this change. So we are working, I think I'm lucky that we're based in London in the UK and We've got here, the regulator is one of our sponsors, one of the regulators. With the Law Tech UK, they've created like a sandbox where legal startups can ask the regulators questions. So really like open dialogue between the two parties where they can inform that policy. It might take a while, but at least it's like a desire to be open and collaborative and and understanding of the market. The Law Society are one of our, our collaborators on our high street event. And then the government doing this funding. And I think that and some of the stuff the regulators are put in place that's seen as innovative and, and is certainly innovative in the global I suppose like ABSs and stuff, the alternative business structures. It's actually not, not not that innovative, I don't think, that you can be a non-lawyer and own a law firm, but in the legal business, it seems to be seen as innovative.
0: It's not really, though, is it? It's, it's pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Um, I no would say so, but like things like that are, are are good. I think the
1: North America market so we're doing the event in Chicago, it's for the whole of North America and Toronto. So and Canada, I should say sorry. Uh, but we expect people to come from Toronto, which is quite close and, and we have a bit of a hub there. And that's a really similar ecosystem and type of people to the that we have in London, and many of them have actually been over to London. So about thirty percent of our web traffic is from the US. Which is really interesting because we have this organically growing there. We did a conference pre pandemic in Brooklyn. We had about 500 people and we were on track to double that, but we'd kind of lost that, unfortunately, that momentum in them. Um, everyone said, I don't know if you're in Brooklyn much, but everyone said at the time that you couldn't do a legal event in Brooklyn. It was crazy, but we ended up with way too many people for what we had in the venue. So that was a good, good lesson in, uh, in doing. And also we're taking our time with America because, you know, it's, it's culturally very different, like running an event and stuff like that. So just how that works. So um, we're starting off again,
0: almost with a smaller event uh, about 500. Right. So let's see, I, I know we've sort of run over our time, but one last question for you, Jimmy, sort of what are the goals for Legal Geek? to keep building, to keep uh, growing your size? Or are there other things you've got planned for the business? So I think the, the main thing for me and Beth,
1: who um, is a director as well, is we're really enjoying what we're doing. We're really enjoying being, building a building community and having success at that. So continuing to have fun with it. Um, so we're just looking at what bands we buy, just doing stuff that's a bit different is really important to us. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is oh, like we will grow. We want to grow the US event to be, we don't want to have events every month across the US, but we want to build a conference in the US hopefully in Chicago uh this year and 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 we can stay there. But but if not potentially move it to another location. But yeah, that's definitely an object of the business. And then we have the cron activity to continue to sort of we just started really so that's a two year commitment. But we've built the team now. So they'll all be starting soon. So just getting going on that. And I think that also set us up pretty well. We don't want to grow like we want to grow into a, a big a business in terms of the number of people we bring we don't want to grow into a big business in terms of the number of people we employ because with events you don't need to you can employ skilled freelancers to do specific roles and i'd much rather build a kind of core cool fun group around 10 people which is where we are now roughly and then just continue to do cool things and really always only do stuff when there's value you know when there's value for people i think that's really important as well
0: Right. People, you know, people's time is an, an, an important commodity as well. Not just, not just the money they spend, but their time. And obviously they're getting tremendous value out of the conferences or so you wouldn't have had the success you've had. Uh, long may it continue. Yeah. So for those of us listeners, you've got uh, Legal Geek North America in Chicago, June 29th, Legal Geek Conference in London, October 4th and 5th. And to extend we have anybody in a mid-sized firm in the UK, you've got Legal Growth Geek. June 7th. So a a great sequence of events, uh, Jimmy. It should be great. Thanks so much.
1: We're looking forward to uh, to seeing you uh, hopefully in Chicago.
0: Yeah, I'll be there. I'll look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks for making the time for us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Be sure to visit thepioneerpodcast.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.